0: Good morning, church. Are you ready to hear the word this morning? It's already been said that holiday feeling is here. I think now we're going to start feeling it, right? Things are beginning to slow down. At least some things are, while other things seem to be picking up, right? The holiday rush, last-minute presents, last-minute groceries, um, all the the social events piling up. But I think from, from here on out, we're going to start to feel that holiday feeling. That relaxed feeling, we're all a bit tired after a long year. So schools are closed, kids' church is closed. And what that means is our services will be a little bit shorter. All right, so you don't need to worry. I know you're tired. You're not going to have to sit through an hour-long message. We'll be gracious to you. All right, sound good? All right, let's get back into our series this morning. So our Advent series, The Great Expectation. So just a quick recap, for those who or maybe you're still unfamiliar with what advent is it simply means arrival and the season of advent is one of expectation of anticipation and waiting it is a season that links the past the present and the future it offers us the opportunity to reflect on the anticipation expected that was the anticipation that was experienced as god's people were waiting for the coming messiah it also gives us dedicated time to remember and celebrate his birth, and it reminds us to be prepared for his second coming. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus' birth, while at the same time looking forward with hopeful expectation for Christ's return. So during Advent, we are actively and hopefully waiting and preparing. And each week in our Advent series, we are focusing on a different attribute of the season, which is represented in Jesus. Hope, peace, love, and joy. In part one, we spoke about hope. We saw that how we hope determines how we live and how we wait, and that how we hope is informed by two things, the reason for our hope and where we place our hope. And the reason for our hope is, first of all, We have reason to hope because God is faithful, amen? And we have hope in us because we are hoping for promises to still be fulfilled. And the important thing is that we place our hope in the right place, and that hope should be placed in Jesus. And then last week in part two, we spoke about peace, and we saw that biblical peace is not about the absence of war and conflict, but rather it is about the presence of a person, Jesus. We heard that there are four dimensions of peace which we should all have. The first being spiritual peace, in other words, peace with God. Second is internal peace, meaning having the peace of God. Thirdly, relational peace, peace with one another. And lastly, future peace, which we will experience at the second advent of Jesus. Both hope and peace are found in Christ. And at his birth, he was the fulfillment of the hoped-for Messiah and the declared Prince of Peace. And today, in part three, we are talking about love. That is our third candle in our wreath. Traditionally, it is the fourth, but we're changing the order a little bit. So remember, in our, in our wreath here, there's hope, peace, love. The center candle represents Christ. And this is just to give us a visual reminder of what it is we're celebrating. It's not deep, it's just a visual reminder, amen? So love, it's a big part of our lives. We all long to be loved and we all long to love. So what is it that comes to your mind when you hear the word love? Is it romance? Is it hearts? Couples walking hand in hand? Gifts? maybe a specific person, butterflies in your stomach, maybe an engagement or a wedding, maybe family and friends. What about the image of a cross? What about the image of a baby lying in a manger? See, love is a crucial part to the story of our salvation, and it is crucial to our very existence. It is central to who God is and why he does what he does. Now, although love is typically the theme of the fourth week of Advent, if we really think about it, if it wasn't for love, we wouldn't have an Advent to celebrate. If it wasn't for love, Jesus would not have been born. If it wasn't for love, we would not have hope, peace, or joy. So all the attributes, all the themes that we look at during Advent are important, but love is the one that ties them all together. From the beginning of Advent to the celebration of Christ's birth, love is the underlying theme. And not just in the season, every day of the year. Love should be the underlying theme of our lives. Love is the focal point Love is so important that it is the basis of the greatest commandment. Matthew chapter 22 verses 37 to 40. After Jesus had been asked what is the greatest commandment, he replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. The greatest, most important commandment can be summed up in one word love. Love God, love others, love. If you love, you fulfill the commandment. So the Christmas story is a story of love. The Bible is a story of love. It is the story of a God who loved his people so much that he did the unthinkable. He sent his son to die in our place so that our relationship with him could be restored. To redeem us from sin and from death. It is a story of a God who lovingly pursues us and lovingly corrects us, who lovingly calls to us, yet does not impose himself on us. So when I asked what you think about when you think about love, I think some of us would think about weddings, because that is a celebration of love. And one of the things I love about weddings is watching the couple, how they look at each other, because you can see that they're just filled with joy. I love looking at the groom when the bride is coming down the aisle, and you see the emotions on his face. He's so happy to see her approaching him. And she is happy to be approaching him. And there's just this joy, there's love, there's, there's something. Don't you think it would be a little bit uncomfortable to attend a wedding in which you can see either the bride or the groom are forced to be there? I'd want to leave that church. If either the husband or the wife are forced into that commitment, into that covenant, that's not love. And so God is saying, I love you. I want to spend eternity with you. I am declaring my love to you. I'm putting my cards out on the table. But I'm not going to make you spend eternity with me. I'm not going to make you make that commitment. I love you. What's your response? So he declared his love for us and now he's waiting for us to either love him back or turn away. And so we're going to see this morning that love was shown to us. It was expressed the night that Jesus was born. And love is important. Love should be what drives us. Love should be our default setting. And so our key passage this morning comes from 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to read from verses 7 to 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. In other words, the atonement, the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us we also ought to love one another. Did you notice how love was mentioned so many times in this short passage? Clearly love is important if it has been so emphasized. But here's the thing our English language fails us a little bit with this word. Because we have one word to express an emotion of varying depths. We love many things. We don't love them all equally, yet we have the same word to express varying degrees of devotion. So when we read the word love in these verses, we should not read it as something casual, because sometimes I feel like the word love has become a little bit watered down. We kind of use it for everything. And so the meaning of it, the the depth of love, is kind of lost on us, because we we throw everything together we throw it around i love coffee i love italian food i love a good comedy movie i love a good novel i love my dog but i cannot measure up the love for those things with the love i have for my family if i love my family as much as i love coffee okay if i love coffee as much do you you hear what i'm saying i really love coffee but if I clump them together, then my love for my family isn't very deep. If I'm clumping them together with coffee, how big is the cup? <laughs> it's just the right size, George, and it never runs dry. <laughs> so we throw this word around: I love X, Y, Z. I love this person. I love that person. But what I really mean is my, the depth of my love for those things varies. So my love for my family, for my friends runs much deeper. But we're using the same word. And so we can kind of lose the depth of love when we're using it for so many different things. So let's not confuse that. When we read love in these passages, don't start thinking of all the things you love. Because it's talking about a much deeper love, a meaningful love. And so we need to understand as well that although our English language is a little bit slacking in this department, the Greek language, however, is rich, and they have many words for love. And so the the word that was translated to love in these passages, different words were used. And all the words that were used in Greek in this passage for the word love in essence mean to love, to cherish, to value to esteem, to be faithful towards, and delight in. It is an active kind of love. Words for love which all tie to the agape love. The unconditional love. The selfless love. The love that wants the best for the other. So is that how we define love? According to agape love? I mean, if we look at some of our favorite romance movies... Some of the most popular romance movies. And I know we get caught up in the emotions. There's the romantic music. And there's that tension, will they, won't they. And we enjoy that. But if we look at those stories critically, if we look at the plot critically, do you think that that is actually a good depiction of love? If we really look at it, a lot of it's kind of messed up. That's not true love. So... Our love stories do not fully capture what love really means. And we should not look to movies, to series, to novels for guidance on what true love looks like. We should not be taught what love is from these stories. Because that love is a weak imitation of what love truly is. So we can actually learn something from those stories. And that is that human love is frail. If we want to understand what love is, we cannot go to our flawed human definition of of what love is. If we want to know love, if we want to discover what love means, then we need to go to the source, to the one who doesn't just love, but is love. We read it. Love is of God, and God is love. So there are three things that I want us to look at regarding love from this passage, And the first one is that, the source of love. God is the source of love because he is love. If we want to know love, if we want to experience love, then we need to go to the source. If we want to have a clear understanding of love, then we need to look to the one who is love and loves truly. Love originated with God. Like I said, our movies, our books, our songs, and series about love are not trustworthy guidelines for what love looks like, of what it should be like. And if we want love, listen carefully, if we want love, we will not find a satisfactory love in people, places, or things. Because the love that we long for comes from the source. It's not a bad thing to long to be loved by your family, your friends, a husband or a wife. It's okay. But what I'm saying is that that love from your family, your friends, your husband, your wife, that love will not satisfy you completely. You will feel as though something is missing until you have experienced the love of God. You need to have the love of God first. And then the love from your family, friends, that just adds to it. But you are satisfied by God's love. The source of love is God, and it is only through Him that we will know what love is. See, the question of what is love is one that generations have wrestled with. Many songs have been written about what love is, trying to define it. It's something that we still wrestle with today we still try to define it the problem is we try to define it based on our experiences and our understanding of love so we end up with you have your definition of love and i'll have my definition of love based on how i've experienced it but this is really damaging because i cannot redefine what god has already defined In preparing this message, I came across this, which another pastor wrote. He said, when it comes to love, there is a right and a wrong way to do it. The right way to do it is the way God has done it, out of his moral character. Love is not simply a feeling. To love is to have a strong desire for another person's best interests according to God's moral character and his moral design. Do you hear that? The right way to love is to love the way God has loved it's not just a feeling but it is a desire for someone's best interest but what is best for them must be in line with God's moral character with his moral design it's not in someone's best interest just because it makes them happy this is where we get it confused if it makes you happy go do it I love you I want to see you happy But what is often in our best interest is not necessarily what is going to make us happy. And you parents understand this. Your kids don't always understand that. But you know what is best for them, and it might not always make them happy. And so what is best for us has to align with God's moral design. And if it doesn't make me happy, then I need to sort myself out and get in line with God's moral compass. And so when we love one another, we love each other the way God has loved. And we want the best for the other, as long as it's in line with God's moral design. So our understanding of love should come from the source itself, not from my feelings, not from any other definition, but from God. And one of the ways that God has showed his love to us exemplified love to us, manifested love towards us, is by sending his son. And so our second point is the expression of love. See, Jesus is the expression of love. He is love personified. We read it in verse 10 that he loved us and he sent his son. You see that baby lying in a manger? That is an image of love. And that baby grew into a man whose life His actions, his teachings, his death on the cross showed us what love is. Through Jesus, we see the love of God in action. And by sending his son, God gave us a good example to follow. But the reason for sending his son wasn't so that we had an image of love to look at. He sent his son so that we could live through him. We read that in verse 9 so that we would live through Jesus. Now, he wasn't talking about physical life, but spiritual life. Through Jesus, we are brought to life. Because of Jesus, we receive life. See, the choices that Adam and Eve made in the garden resulted in the division between man and God. Humanity experienced spiritual death. But in that moment, God made a promise to restore what had gone terribly wrong, And Jesus was the fulfillment of that promise. Ephesians chapter two, verse four to five says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We have been made alive through Christ because God loves us. When we come to Jesus, when we give him our our lives, when we accept him, here's what happens, we are restored to love. We are made whole in his love. And when we experience his love, when we become filled with his love, we are then driven by his love, and we are enabled to love. And so that brings us to our third and final point, the fruit of love. This is love in action our actions towards others is the fruit of love or lack thereof. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, now say this with me, love one another. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus The expression of love is saying, you've seen how I love, you've experienced my love, now go and love others the same way. This is echoed in the passage that we read in 1 John, verse 7 begins, beloved, let us love one another, let us love one another, and then verse 11 ends with, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So our passage this morning started with love one another and it ends with love one another. See, what John is telling us in these verses is that God is love. And when we accept love through Jesus, we are restored to God and we know him. Therefore, we know love. And because we know love and have experienced love, we should love one another. It can simply be put like this. Love comes from God to us and then goes through us to others. Love comes from God to us and then goes through us to others. We cannot say that we love God and that we have a relationship with Him if we do not show love to others. And I'm not just saying that. The Bible says it. We read it in verse 8. He who does not love does not know God. And please note, it's not saying, you who love those you like. There's no distinction. It's just saying love, love one another. And if you do not have love, if you cannot love, you do not know God. That's a heavy statement. It's true. See, love is the natural fruit our lives will bear when we are connected to God. It will happen if it doesn't happen maybe check your connection because when we are connected to God when we have that relationship with him it naturally flows it is not our out of our own ability to love that we will love others because if that's the case I mean we see the world that's what happens when you try to love on your out of your own strength it's not gonna happen But we are enabled to love others out of the love that we have been given through christ out of the love that god pours into our lives we are able to pour out into the lives of others and so after giving us this command to love one another jesus ended by saying in chapter 13 verse 35 of john by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another Now maybe you remember the other words of Jesus in another passage where he says, by their fruits you will know them. Doesn't just go to spiritual leaders, that's a a general rule. By people's fruits you will know them. You will know what they stand for. So essentially what Jesus is saying here is, everyone will know that you are a disciple of Jesus if you bear the fruit of love. What defines us what marks us as followers of Christ isn't how much we pray. It isn't how often we read our Bible. It isn't how much scripture we have memorized or know. Whether we are attending church or not. Whether we are free to express ourselves in worship or not. Now don't misunderstand me. That is important. Do those things. We need to be doing those things as part of our relationship with Christ. Christ. But what Jesus is saying is that is not what is going to make you distinctive. That's not what, that's not what is going to make you clear to the world that you are my follower. By your love for one another is what's going to make you different. That's what's going to make us stand out from the rest of the world is our love for one another. We can fake everything else, not love. So, Jesus is saying that the thing that will make you stand out as my disciple is your love for one another. And the fruit of love is seen practically in how we live, how we speak, and how we treat others, because love cannot be hidden. Have you ever seen two people who you can see they're in love? They can't hide that. The way they look at each other, love cannot be hidden. And we're not just told to love. We're told to love as Jesus loves us. That means that love is going to require sacrifice. Mm. It will require serving. It's not going to be easy. It takes effort. But it will be transforming. If you make the sacrifice... If you serve others, it might require a bit of effort on our part. But once you're doing it, it starts to change something inside. I want to read something that I came across this week, which said the following. The God of the Bible doesn't just express love. He is love. As a triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, He has always been and will always be an others-centered, self-giving, communal being. Jesus, the Son, fully embodies the love of God and demonstrates it most clearly when He gives His life on behalf of humanity. When people learn to trust Jesus' love for them, they join in God's community of love and their very nature is transformed to love others with Him. Our very nature is transformed to love others as God loves. Love is what defines us. It's what makes us different to the rest of the world. At least it should be. But I know that this is something that we're not always very good at. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes along the way. But let it be our desire to find opportunities to allow God's love to overflow from us. To others, So ask yourself this morning, how can I display the love of Christ to those around me? How can I display the love of Christ to those around me? We're in a season in which many people feel loved, but many others don't. It's one of those seasons where it's very joyful for some and painful for others. So make an effort to be someone who shares love with those they encounter. Remember, love is practical. I cannot love in theory. Because love drives me to action. When I love someone, I do something about it. I don't love in theory. So love is practical. So what are some practical ways that you can show love to someone? A fairly simple one, some people might struggle with this one, but it's simple and it should come easy to us. Just be kind. Be kind to the people you encounter. Particularly in this season, we know that the staff at restaurants and those in retail stores are facing a lot of stress. Don't be another person to add to that. Rather, be a person that makes them smile. It's a stressful season be kind show love by saying something nice asking them how their day is going don't add to the stress don't add to the pressure be kind another one is to be intentional with your time with your loved ones like I said now our social calendars start to fill up we're trying to make up for all the time we couldn't get together during the year so we're seeing family we're seeing friends And with some people, you kind of feel like it's just an obligation. You have to just see them to check it off the list, right? So you you rush through your time together. Don't do that, right? Don't do that. Be intentional. Love. I know some people are difficult, but love. Time is short. Don't rush through your time together. Talk. Listen. Enjoy each other's company. Help where you can. Just love on each other. Another way that you can show love is when you go do your grocery shopping. Why not add an extra item or two or three? Something small doesn't have to be big. And bring it and add it to our grocery drive for our ground staff. Oftentimes when when we think that we have to bring something to make some sort of donation, it has to be big. No. No. Sometimes something small done out of love can mean more than the big donation with no heart behind it. So something small done out of love can make a difference. See, we show love by going the extra mile. Even if it requires sacrifice, let's go out of our way to love. So beloved, If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. May you live in God's love and live out that love towards others. Not just in the season, but every day of the year. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. lord we thank you we thank you that you are the god of love that you love and you are love we thank you lord that we can come to you for the definition of what true love is that we can see from you experience from you what true love is and i pray lord that we will experience that love that we will hold on to that love the only love that truly satisfies us we thank you lord for your expression of love in your son Jesus that you sent him so that we could experience life so that our relationship with you could be restored and I pray Lord that we will bear the fruit of love that we will love sacrificially that we will love selflessly that we will love actively That by our fruit of love, people will know that we are your disciples. So Father, I pray that in this crazy season, we will not lose sight of what is important. I pray, Lord, that we will live in your love. That our lives will be so filled with your love that it is just a natural overflow, the way that we love others. I pray, Lord, that we will be intentional to show love to the people we encounter. That wherever we are, with our family, with our friends, in the shops, in the malls, at work, wherever we find ourselves, Lord, that we'll be looking for opportunities to show your love to the people around us. We thank you, Lord. And I pray, Father, that your love will be upon us, your peace will be upon us, your hope will fill us, that we will experience your joy, Lord, May you take us out into this week. May your protection be upon us wherever we find ourselves, Lord. Open our eyes to find ways to love people. And I pray, Lord, that you will keep our hearts and our minds on you, on your son, on what you want us to do, on the lives you want us to live. And I pray, Lord, that we will be filled with that great expectation for your second advent, as we look back to the past, as we see your faithfulness in the present, we are hopeful for the future. May your love fill us, Lord. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. May you live in love. May you show love. May you be love. Amen. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next Sunday.